All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Sal. Alongside of me, the COO of this podcast, Master Tate Frazier. He has returned from One Shining Podcast with Mark Titus. That's how you know him. What's happening, Tate? How are you feeling? Hey, back on the saddle. You know, maybe I, I can't move as well if I was on a horse on a saddle, so I would definitely need it to move around these days. But, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm happy. I'm sad I missed last week. But thank God we have Jim Cunningham to figure it out for us. Thank God Jim stepped in. Heel producer Jim Cunningham stepped in. You've had back issues. You came back maybe a little too early. This is uh, <laughs> not unlike the Kevin Durant situation, I would say. Yes, and, uh, you know, the team doctors, everyone here at the Ringer is telling me that I'm going to be great. It can't get much worse. <laughs> Just keep doing podcast you'll be fine and here i am and here you are and maybe next year you'll end up with the <laughs> next organization it'll be bad um i will say this this is maybe the last worthwhile podcast we'll do until august now i come on i'm a straight shooter tate you know that i yes. I, I come on i tell you we're gonna have a great podcast well this one this is gonna be a really good one uh and to help us get through it on the line right now my gurus of gambling my barons of betting my wizards of wagering, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, brother Bri, Harry, and Darren, the parlay kid. What's up, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> brother Bri, you seem especially excited, and I don't know that I would be if I were you. We're coming off, we're doing this Tuesday afternoon. Um, you're coming off, now we've all had some bad bets, but your bet on the U.S. women's soccer team under five and a half goals, right up there, right with the worst ones, right? <laughs> I'm I'm so so ashamed of myself. Uh, I took U.S. over Mexico a few weeks ago on the over. Um, I it's so funny. My mother-in-law sends me a text today saying, "Oh my God, you said the U.S. was going to beat Thailand 16 to nothing last week. Did you bet it?" And I said, "Yep, I took the under." I don't. <laughs> you know, and we could have gotten like what 15. 21, 25 to one odds that they win by 10 or more goals or something crazy. Uh, yeah. 11 it? or more was 21 to odds, uh, 25 to one odds. I know they were giving that out. I think on FanDuel, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty nuts. It was three, nothing at the half. And then I think they scored like six goals over the next three minutes. Um, yeah. So a bit, really bad job by me. That's one of those ones where you just like, where you really just kick yourself. Like, I can't believe I just did that. Everything I said that over so i went under sometimes you just look into these things too much and i was like oh thailand had some close games with like australia seven years ago so i'll, I'll go yeah so. well i got an, i have another friend that bet this might actually be worse than yours that bet that it would be a draw at 45 to one and that was not even even close that <laughs> not even close but then the one two punch you got some good news your favorite football team will be appearing on hard knocks wait no that's more bad news right the raiders <laughs> yeah um that's Again, I said that's great news as a football fan. I mean, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I don't know why I didn't bet it. I said the Raiders were going to be the team on hard knocks, but it's great as a football fan, terrible as a Raiders fan, um, although I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm not expecting a ton from the Raiders this year just with their mm -hmm. schedule, but so I do think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I don't think they could have had a better team. So uh, yeah. it, it's good for a football Parlay kid, we're going to talk a lot of basketball coming up. Uh, let's get the the, uh, the unpleasantry out of the way. Ever fast, not what did it finish seventh? You gave me ever fast for the Belmont. <laughs> not great. Yeah, what a crapshoot there, Sal. That was. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually even sad to say I didn't even watch the Belmont this year. Uh, as it turned out, I think I got caught up doing something, and uh, about uh, eleven o'clock at night, I found out that ever ever fast. Uh, 
yeah. was uh, <laughs> towards the bottom. So uh, I guess it really wasn't uh, on my mind as much as it probably should have been. And that, that was That's a pretty lame right. pick uh, by myself. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Pretty a lot bad. of people, Harry included, they they DVR the uh, Belmont also. Harry, though, you, you're focused on golf right now. You're just coming off. You did fairway rolling with Joe House. Yeah, just uh, going to be up tom- uh, later tonight or uh, into tomorrow morning. Just got it done. We discussed a lot of uh, U.S. Open information, a lot of picks. So uh, definitely uh, people check that out. A lot of uh, a lot of good selections, and hopefully we and get a couple And we're going to have Joe House on later. He's going to guide us through some U.S. Open wagers, some props, uh, who's going to win. He usually takes a favorite, a mid-range, and a long shot. He's already firing away with props and matchups. He, he texted to me. He's, he's going crazy. We're also... Going to talk to a fellow by the name of Scott Berry. Now, back in January, Scott Berry, a St. Louis Blues fan, went to Vegas, put $400 on the last place Blues to win the Stanley Cup at 250 to 1. Stands to win $100,000. And this, this MFer, he refuses to hedge. He's a ridiculous human being. Sounds a lot like something we all would do, right? Harry, no, no hedging? I don't know. We're going to talk to uh, him. <laughs> yeah. Harry, we'll Harry would have hedged, but that's for sure. Let's talk NBA. Last night, a thrilling game five. It really was the the best game in the series, best game in a few weeks. Um, Aside from the fact that I have a lot of money on Golden State, uh, I really don't care to root for the team, but it seems like, Tate, will you agree? Like, I don't think as far as neutral fans go, there hasn't been an outpouring of emotion towards one player and one team as much as there was towards Kevin Durant and his injury and, you know, his heroic efforts which were thwarted by, thwarted by um, an Achilles injury, right? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's almost sad that it took something so devastating for everyone to come together and finally say, for Kevin to see uh, that he is such a great player and that we all love watching him play basketball because I, as ironic as it is, I feel like that's all he's ever really wanted from everyone. And it took him putting his, his whole career on the line uh, and having a horrible thing happen for that to happen. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people are obviously thinking of Kevin, so hope he, hope he gets it back. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. And we have some Knicks fans on the phone. This doesn't bode well for them. Uh, Parlay kid, you know, the Knicks can sit this out. Uh, the Warriors, you know, the tears are nice by the GM, but they have to do right by him. They're going to pay him if he opts in uh, $30 million or so. dollars. But if he opts out, it seems like there's a team like the Knicks maybe still waiting for him to sit him for a year, do poorly again, and then build the team again around him and I'm guessing R.J. Barrett and some others. Do you think, could you see that happening? Yeah, why not, Sal? What's the uh, what's the best option for the Knicks at this point? This is, uh, I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, you kind of go, yeah, uh, you can almost expect something like this to happen. It's unbelievable the uh, the bad luck over the years. It seems like, I mean, I guess every fan and every team could talk about bad luck for the most part, but boy, oh boy, anytime the Knicks there's some hope, they really something like this happens. Uh, Terrible for Durant. What a uh, what a gutty, gritty performance last night, and um, they probably don't win that game without him. Mm-hmm. Even even though he didn't, uh, yeah, I don't think it so. wasn't on the court that much. Uh, they they, they might have been out of that game from the start without him. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, give the guy Tate said a uh, lot a lot a lot of love for Durant. That's for sure. So let let the Knicks go get him. What the heck? Why not? I'd love to see odds on it. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, speaking of odds, let's let's go over the the numbers for that game. Uh, yesterday, so Toronto opened at minus one. 
And then Durant said he was going to play, and it moved, and it went between even and minus one and plus one. It kept ping-ponging around. I said, what the hell's the difference here? What's everyone getting crazy for? Well, it mattered. It definitely mattered because it fell on Golden State, obviously, winning by one. Um, Toronto was getting a point when the when it tipped. Brother Bry, uh, unfortunately, you were on the wrong end of that too, right? Did you have Toronto <laughs> even or minus one? I can't remember. Well, okay, so that was the thing. I sent you a text like right before this game or an hour before the game. It's like, I can't believe the Raptors right now are plus a point and a half. So what do mm-hmm. I do? I was like, I love the Raptors. So what do I do? I take the money line. So I, t- I take them at even just to win the game. Um, but it's funny. It was, it was one of those games. That I Once Durant went down, I was this time, once the fans were booing, I was really, it was amazing. I, I had a lot of money on this game. And I think this is the first time I've had that much money on the game where I was actually rooting against my bet. I was kind of like, you know what? Screw this. I hope this goes six or seven games. But then when it ended up, when it landed on one, then I was so mad at myself saying, (laughs) why didn't I just take the minus 115 plus one and a half? What was I doing with the even money? But, uh, I mean, it looked good with two minutes left. So uh, I know we we couldn't really find – I know we were looking to try and see some of the live lines uh, with 230 left down six. But uh, those would have been – pretty great odds. Couldn't find it. I only found points. I always found that Toronto was favored by six and a half. Oh, for crying out loud, up up six with the ball, three minutes left. Uh, crazy, or maybe a little less than three. Um, yeah. yeah, I want to say, Harry, now they have MVP numbers out there. Kawhi Leonard, I, I think Golden State is plus 230 to win the series. Uh, Curry is plus 240 to win MVP. Toronto minus 285 to win the series. Kawhi Leonard minus 285 to win MVP. Does any of it make sense? Would you, could you take anybody else? Well, you know what? I was, I was actually a little while ago talking to Parlay Kid about his 50-1 uh, his to 1 bet on Clay Thompson. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if Toronto wins, obviously it's going to be uh, Leonard more than anything else. Um, but I think with his not playing in game three when he really could have, and it, I think it ended up uh, they were being a little cocky Golden State at that situation, and not playing Thompson, I think they probably, he could have played. You could see on his face that he was bitter because he knew he could play too. He came back out in game four. He's been great in game four. He's been great in game five. And Curry did have the 47-point game, but there's been games where he hasn't been shooting well. Uh, and he's gotten late points when you know the game was uh, done when they played in Golden State. So I think Clay Thompson, if he can come out and go something crazy and get like 13 to 15 threes, in these two games combined and wins on the road, and he's the one who gets it done. Because of the injury, I understand that hurt him, but also I think it could help him in this MVP voting, where if he's the guy <laughs> hitting the threes, he could win the MVP for Golden State. I, I agree. Is, is anyone on this call uh, disagree that if Clay Thompson hits 15 threes over the next two games, he's in contention for MVP? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I also fact that Harry wanted to bring him back early in Game Three after what just happened to Durant. Harry's like, "Yeah, don't worry about Clay. I was, you know, let's bring him back mm-hmm. even earlier, even though he could barely walk." Yeah, it, uh, don't forget about Draymond Green. Here, he's also uh, for players that average ten, nine, and eight, ten points, nine rebounds, eight assists for a final since 1977. Magic won in '80 and '82. Larry Bird won in '86, and LeBron in 15, 16, and 17. Then you have Draymond. Those are the only guys who have done it. Wow. He's averaging 12.89 and 8.6. Uh, I, I think people were disenchanted with his turnovers. I think he had 20 in the first three games. He only had a few uh, yesterday. So as that number goes lower, 
Um, you might right. want to consider Draymond. Tate, what do you think about MVP? I think there's a lot. You, plus 240 was what Curry was, right? So there's a long shot odd that maybe there's a chance that this Durant injury motivates this team to bounce back. I think game six at home right. is very favorable. And uh, if you just believe that Curry has a chance of redemption after losing a 3-1 lead to LeBron and can do it a few, few years later and, and lead one back on his own terms, maybe there's a chance you can believe in that and bet on that. Uh, that, that would be my mm-hmm. pick right now, Curry. Yeah. No, it's probably Curry. The only thing is he has some competition in Draymond and Clay. Uh, mm-hmm. Kawhi has no competition. I'm sorry. Yep. Kyle right. Lowry missed the biggest shot of his career. <laughs> Granted, it was blocked. Uh, who is it going to be? Freddie Van Fleet, who just runs around and fouls everybody. Uh, I don't think there's any competition for Kawhi if Toronto's to win. That's the only reason there's value there. Paula, kid, I wanted to talk to you about this. I get on coaches' case all the time, but I feel like Nick yeah. Nurse is being unfairly uh, treated and, and uh, targeted for calling a timeout. His team yeah. was up. They called the timeout. Okay, great. It breaks the momentum. But maybe they were tired. And you have one that you have that timeout. And also, they went one for six down the stretch. That's why they lost. And their one shot they made right. was a goal 10 call. Obviously, it probably would have gone anyway. Uh, Boogie Cousins gr- grabbed it off the board. But uh, back off Nick Nurse, I think they're probably in this position uh, because of him, right? Yeah, exactly, Sal. Um you know, I know I caught that with Stephen A. right at the end of the game, uh, kind of going after Nurse for that timeout. Uh, you which, know what? I take it back. He's usually right about these things. So what, <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> well, that's the ironic thing. I actually, at the time, I think I was talking to Brian about this, and I said, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it at the time when he took the timeout. I, I never really considered it. Right. I actually thought uh, maybe at that time as a coach that you're gathering your team and you're saying, look, guys, we've got to just be smart with the ball. That's really buckled down on defense. You know, the shots that Curry and Clay hit were like, for the most part, contested shots. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might go in. Two great shooters have happened to make some shots down the stretch for, for the Warriors. I'm not really sure at the timeout had anything to do with them losing that game. Yeah. Uh, but it does give the critics uh, a chance to kind of pounce upon that. I mean, Nurse has been great. He is uh, he has just been so superb in this uh, playoffs. I, I think if uh, there was any blame to be passed, I mean, he should get a pass on this one sure. for sure. Because, like you said, you know, the, the, Toronto didn't make shots down the stretch, and, and Golden State didn't. And look, we all get treated to another game of basketball when this could have been over. I think that's that's what's good. So uh, this this series deserves very six games. It deserves six games. Yeah. And, and brother Brian, aside from the you know, timeout, but Toronto got every call down the stretch. Whether it's yes, the goaltending, like we we said that they show six angles. They only really need to show that side angle to see that it's out of the cylinder. Obviously, if they call that, if they don't call goaltending and then review it, uh, if that's possible, then they look at that for eight seconds. They're like, no, there's definitely not enough to overturn a non-goaltend call right there. The illegal screen, all right. It feels like uh, Van Fleet is all over uh, Curry's jersey every single opportunity. The over and back, Green may have, Draymond may have been tr- shoved. I don't know. I feel like they got every call, don't you? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we were joking about that when they when they said the offensive goaltending because they were showing the one angle was pretty clear, and then they showed the other angle, which was like behind the basket like, and then on the floor. So you would never be able to see the angle of the ball, but the one angle that was pretty clear that they kept showing, like that should have just been the one angle. Like why, why do they need to show anything else? So uh, that was another reason too. I felt like 
you know, just late they were getting a little bit hosed with some of those calls. So oh, I thought, how about the how about the Kawhi travel on uh, oh, that was another oh, one? Yeah. Great dunk. Oh, oh my that. gosh! That everyone stopped. Everybody stopped playing. Like, all right, this is uh, that. That's he's hopping around on one foot. How could that not be uh, so, be called? So bad, so yeah. bad. Bro- Brother Bry, while we have you, let's take a look at uh, Game Six. Who do you like? The the line is fluctuating between two and a half and three. It opened at Golden State minus four. That's a hefty number, but their backs against the wall. It's gone down, like I said, to three or two and a half. Over under two eleven and a half. What do you like? Yeah, so I'm going to take the Raptors plus three. As much as I'm rooting for the Warriors here in a game seven, I, I can't justify laying the three in this game. The Raptors are seven, one, and one against the spread in the last nine. Eight and one if you had the one and a half yesterday. The Warriors are four, seven, and two uh, in their last 13. Look, the Warriors made 12 more threes, shot 48% from three yesterday, and they still trailed by six with 2.30 left. They, they obviously, it's just a, it's a bad matchup right now for against the Raptors. I think this is going to be another really close game. Maybe a little, it could be, I'm, I'm debating on whether or not this is going to be low scoring, but it's probably going to be like a 105, 102-ish type game. But again, I'm rooting for a game seven, but I think there's no way I could back uh, the Warriors uh, length. I'm, I'm going well, to that's, it, that's the number that jumped out at me. 20 made threes to eight. It was sixteen. It was eighteen to six at one point. At twenty to eight, it yeah. ended up. I was like, "How do they keep this up? They're gonna have to keep up that hot that hot hand." They don't really have a third score. I don't know if it matters in this series, but uh, Parley Kid. Then I thought, well, none of this matters because my co-host on Lock It In, Rachel Bonetta, was rooting, diehard, lifelong Toronto fan, was rooting against the Raptors to close it out in Toronto. Her whole country, though at least the city of Toronto, could have celebrated. What a, what a thing that would have been if Lowry hits the, the shot with no time left at the buzzer. It, it empties out into the streets. But no, selfishly rooting so that Toronto could go to Oracle because she has tickets for game six. That never works, wow. right, Parlay Kid? You can't do that. Well, no, you can't do that. And you are in so much trouble now, Sal, uh, <laughs> over this. I mean, have you discussed this with her yet or uh... – <laughs> this could be big, big trouble for you, Sal. And yeah, uh, no, you don't it. do that. Of course, you, you can't do that as a fan. You got to wrap this up when you have a chance. Would you like me to make my pick right now? Yeah, what yeah, I think yeah. Is Go for happen, it, Sal. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. Well, Sal, look, and I think Tate just touched on this a second ago. Um, look, when was the last time the Warriors lost three games in a row at home? I actually had to look back. I, I looked back for like five straight seasons. It hasn't happened. They have not mm-hmm. lost five, three straight at home, at least in five years, and it could go way beyond that. I'm not sure. So I don't anticipate this happen now. I, I think the Warriors at minus 145 right now on the money line. I really like them to win this game. And as Tate had mentioned, about winning for Durant. Uh, look, if they like Durant as much as we maybe think they do, they're going to go out and win this game for Kevin Durant. If they don't like him, they might just lose. So I think we're going to know how much they like Durant right now. And and how hard they play for this guy. But I think, look, they got one more good game left in them. That was a a heroic effort last night. I think they capitalize on it. And, again, I think um, this team rallies at least for one more game. Yeah. uh, And and they win on that money line at minus 145. I kind of like that. I I think you're getting some decent odds there. Yeah, I like it, too. Yeah, for a team so that's – Going into the series, they were 45 and eight at home mm-hmm. uh, over the last five years. 
with winning by an average score of 12 points per game at home. They've been a dominant team. These, yeah, sure, these, those two games. So I don't see them losing three at home. I just don't see it happening. I don't either. So let's You've go said it the Warriors money the line. last few years. They're 25-5. and five. I know this doesn't matter because Toronto beat them the last two. 25-5 and five yep. in the home playoff games in the last two years. Right. 16 double-digit right. wins. I know a lot of these have Durant. Also, 6-1 and one in the uh, Steve Kerr era in closeout games, or uh, when they have their back against the wall, I yep. should say, elimination games. They average 105 points a game. Um, you sort of agree, Harry, right, that they're going to take game six. Yeah, I do. Uh, look, uh, right now, I, I still uh, before the NBA championship started, I gave out Toronto in seven games on the podcast at five to one. Uh, right now, to win seven, they're plus two ten. So I'm sticking by it. Uh, this series has been a weird one to me. There's been plenty of injuries, plenty of drama, plenty of comebacks. What we haven't had, like Parlike had just mentioned, basically, is plenty of home teams winning. The home team is one and four in this series. You would figure Golden State would take the last game ever played at Oracle, wouldn't you? I mean, really, and, and push this to a game seven. The Raptors have finished off the Magic, Sixers, and Bucks all at home in the playoffs while holding all three to 96, 90, and 94 points respectively. Uh, I look for Golden State to sneak out of Oakland with a game six win, but Toronto takes game seven in a low-scoring affair, something like 98, 95, and Kawhi is a champion again. And the Raptors are champs for the first time in franchise history. All right, Tate, do you agree with Harry and Parley Kidd or Brother Bry? Who wins game six? I think game six, I'm going to take the Warriors as well. I like that uh, stat Parley Kidd had about the three games, uh, them not mm-hmm. losing three games in a row at home. I do think that they're going to play well. Last game in Oracle Arena, so that adds another little bit of a, a wrinkle to the whole thing. But I agree with Harry in the sense that I think they win game six and they go back to uh, Toronto and Kawhi ends it. So I think the Raptors will win in seven. Yeah. All right. I agree. Well, I think it'll go, you know, taking it game by game. I think Golden State wins, gets it to game seven, and then I'll probably blow it on a, a hedge somehow. I have I have a lot on Golden State to wrap this up. All right. All right. Game seven, Wednesday night. Oh, man. St. Louis had a chance. They had a chance to wrap it up, and Bennington just didn't get it done. He didn't get it done. It was, it was one nothing very late in the game, and then it just unraveled. It really did. Uh, we, we have, like, a little rivalry going here. Harry has, for some reason, become, like, a, an honorary Blues fan. He stands to win, what, like $300, Harry, if the Blues win? Almost. Almost four. Okay, almost $400, which is big uh, for Harry. And uh, what do you like in Game 7? Boston, minus 175, plus 155. The over-under is five and a half. Yeah, well... Either way, I'll be singing Gloria over and over Wednesday night, or I'll be singing the blues. I mean, I'll admit, it doesn't look <laughs> good for St. Louis. Uh, and the stats prove that. Uh, Boston has the top three players in the entire playoffs in plus-minus ratio. Uh, it's kind of amazing. We've made it to a seventh game. In this series, the Bruins have 25 less giveaways. And get this, they lead in shots blocked through six games by an astonishing 96 to 58 total. They were blocking everything St. Louis threw at them uh, in game five. It was, it was ridiculous. I'm assuming in game six, it was ridiculous. They couldn't get, the Blues couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, the Blues need help, uh, and they need Jaden Schwartz to wake up. He's actually second in the entire playoffs and goals scored with 12, but has zero in this series. In the last four games, he has zero points and only three total shots on goal. 
despite that, this gritty St. Louis squad still has a chance out, as they have managed to average the same amount of goals as Boston in the series and the same amount of shots on goal per game at 33 as Boston. So in a game seven, I'll take the team that's plus 155 on the money and 9-3 and three overall on the road in the playoffs. Lose, get it done. I'm going to say 3-2. Lose, take home the cup. Three to two. So this is going to be so no empty net goals. Not that it's just going to end up uh, uh, Boston. Are you see in overtime or regulation? Boy, overtime would be something. I'd probably kid probably be rooting for that. But uh, regulation three two. All right, Parlay kid. You think Harry got a little cocky with his Blues bet? He came on here last <laughs> week. He said Blues in six. They dropped yeah. game six. Obviously, you like Boston. You're, you're betting Boston, and you have. Um, you have some kind of you have some real parlays out there, I think, with the Bruins, right? Who, who do you who do you like? But you're focusing. Yeah, more on the I, I got some parlays sitting out there. Yeah, I, I think uh, sorry, not not that I'm really rooting for the Bruins here as a as a New York fan. Yeah. Um, you know, my rooting interest goes to my betting interests right now. So uh, it would be one of those things where if the Blues won, I, I'd uh, I'd have to suck it up, and I, I wouldn't it wouldn't really make me too depressed to see it. But Sal, for this, I think this is where. Uh, instead of taking the Bruins uh, in Game Seven at minus one seventy-five, I think you just had them at. Uh, why not just take Tuka Rask if you can get him at? Uh, I've seen anywhere right now minus one forty-five or minus one fifty for the Con Smythe Award because if the Bruins win this game, Sal, he is a lock to win mm-hmm. the Con Smythe Award. A lock. Okay, I'll give you some stats, Sal. By the way, Game Seven we talk about hockey, the home ice. Maybe doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot in Game Sevens. It, it tends to uh, mean more than it does in uh, you know the rest of the playoffs. So uh, especially a Stanley Cup Final Game Seven, uh, we tend to see uh, the winners uh, at over sixty percent when uh, it gets to a Game Seven in, in the Stanley Cup. So, mm-hmm. but Harry, let me ask you something: Who was the last goalie to win the Conn Smythe Award? Quick, Harry, quick! I'm going to say uh, Patrick Dubois. No, I just gave you the answer. It was quick. <laughs> nice. Come on, Harry. 2012. It was quick. All right. So <laughs> it's been since 2012 that we had a goalie yeah. win the Conn Smythe Award. But Tuka Rask is uh, playing out of this league. 940 save percentage ranks among the NHL all-time best in the playoffs. Uh, he's had zero games below 90% save percentage. And has been his most dominant in potential closeout games. He's five and zero in closeout games with a ninety-seven percent save percentage. And in these games seven so far, when the Bruins have faced elimination, or any game where the Bruins have faced elimination—not game sevens, but where they faced elimination—he's three and zero with a one point three three goals against average and a ninety-five percent save percentage. Some are even talking about him being the Conn Smythe winner. If the blue, if the Blues would even win this game, so why not take him at minus one forty-five, minus one fifty, instead of taking Boston to win the game at minus one seventy? Because if they win, he is a lock for the right. Conn Smythe I mean, Award. So he's, let's he's take two Leonard right now of uh, of Boston. Right? He's they win, the he's lock. Win it, yeah, and you're Lionel getting Riley. and you're getting better odds. Yeah, right. even than Kawhi. Lionel Riley given, is right? about seven to two. I'm seeing Tarasenko plus four fifty, Bennington plus six fifty, goaltender for St. Louis. Patrice Bergeron, 11 and a half to one. And uh, Marchant, brother Bry, 16 to one. I know you have uh, high hopes for him, but 
He's got to, uh, well, maybe if, like uh, Harry said, like Clay Thompson, if he could hit, like, uh, score, like, 15 goals, he'd be considered again, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've gotten screwed before on, like, games, you know, some of these games. I remember with Pittsburgh, I had, uh, I got screwed when Crosby won a few years where he probably shouldn't have won it. But, uh, yeah, Rask, if they, if they win, he's going to win it. I mean, that game six kind of solidified it for him. I, I don't know if he's been, like, I think he was actually maybe even better in some of the other series, but that game six was unbelievable. So, yeah, he'll, he'll win it if they win. You like good goaltending either way in this game seven. Yeah, so I'm going to go um, under five and a half here in game seven. Like, this is the 17th game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. These games are usually low-scoring, tightly contested games. So in 15 of the 16 game sevens, I know that some of these are a long time ago, but in 15 of the 16 game sevens so far, only once was there more than five goals. So... The thing is, like, don't expect many penalties in this game. Players, players will cut that, cut down their mistakes. The officials won't want to decide the outcome. So, you're going to have limited, probably special team goals in this. And that's, I know how the Bruins score a lot of their goals. So, I, I think because of that, the scoring is going to be limited. I think this is going to be like a two-one or a three-one type of game. So, I would definitely go under five and a half here. You are asking for a world of trouble with this. Oh, my God. I, I don't know if I'll ever. I, I'm sure I will because I'll forget about this. But betting unders in hockey, how did that last game go over five and a half or five? It was five and a half, wasn't it? Five to yeah. one final. It looked like it could be one nothing for like uh, six hours if they played. And then those empty netters just kept f- fly in if you're rooting against. It's one of the worst things in sports to have money on a team that pulls their goalie. I mean, <laughs> They're pulling the guy who's supposed to stop the puck from scoring. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, it's bad. Yeah, I like Boston here. I think they do it. Uh, yeah, I, I can see Big Poppy, uh, great recovery. He sings the anthem. Boston wins going away. Um, I, I think it could be like a 4-1 to one final. Maybe it does stay under. I wouldn't bet the under, but I think it's going to be low scoring. But it stays like 4-1, to 5-1, to one, somewhere in there. Like the last game. I will say this. You guys want to hear a bad beat? Our researcher at Lock It In, this guy Adam, he had last game, he had Bennington uh, under 27 saves and Rask under 27 and a half saves. Bennington had 27, the separate bets. He had Bennington had 27 with 11 seconds left. Rask had 27 with 11 seconds left. And they both made saves inside 11 seconds. Bennington gets wow. it. It's shot. It's saved. He really just chucks it down the ice, forwards it, and uh, right, at, right on the Rask. He get, gets to 28 and 28. He loses both. Is that Harry? That's pretty oh, bad, right? Oh, oh, oh. That's harsh. That's being yeah. harsh. The 11 Jeez. seconds, a game that's Brutal. way, way, way over. All right. Someone rooting for the blues more than Harry. Have him on the phone right now. Uh, let's talk to Scott Barry. Right now on the line, the guy everyone's talking about with regards to the Stanley cup finals, not any of the players. It's Scott Barry. Big St. Louis Blues fan, went out to Vegas early January on a business trip, put $400 down on the Blues, who I think were in last place at the time, at 250 to 1 odds. He stands to win $100,000 if they win Game 7, and he's not hedging. Scott, thanks for coming on Against All Odds. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm ready to get this game out of the way, though. Yeah, I'm sure it must be it must be a real pain in the ass at this point, right? Yeah, talking to people like me who you don't necessarily want to deal with, and you just want to root for your team, right? It's become a much bigger thing. No, it's been great. I mean, it's been a wild ride, of course, an emotional roller coaster. It's just been kind of hard watching these games. You know, it's like you don't want to be near me because I'm either 
tackling you after a goal is scored or I'm, I'm in the corner cussing to myself. So <laughs> I feel bad people have to watch me at this point, but I, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm ready for it to be over tomorrow night. You know, I was just, uh, I'm actually up here on a work trip in Chicago right now talking to my colleague about that. Like it's been a wild ride, but, um, I think I'm ready to, to have closure to it all. And uh, hopefully with a Stanley cup yeah. victory for St. Louis. Well, let's talk this through because I don't think it needs to be as wild as, as it, as it is right now, but let's go back to January. Or you, you were on a business trip in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's actually funny. I, I wasn't supposed to even be out there and um, a colleague of mine couldn't make it uh, due to having a grand grandchild um, and she needed to stay back and, and visit. Um, so I last minute flew out there to work a three day conference and, uh, was you know quite busy the whole way through, and I don't get out to Vegas much. But when I do, I usually play a you know a table game here or two. And if I lose a hundred dollars in the night, I'm pretty mad at myself type thing. So I, I got done. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm too tired to, to gamble. I got a flight coming up. What would I possibly would have lost out here? Let's apply that to maybe a futures bet. And I happened to stumble across the the book and saw that the Blues were 250 to one odds, and I knew that they're a better team than that. You know, they that was they're doing a disservice there. And so I thought, hey, what what could what, you know, 100,000 sounds nice. How much does it have to take to do that? And of course, 400 was the magic number and drop that bet down on them. Yeah. I did. Now, I, that was I, at I did. Paris book, it was a <laughs> yeah. Paris casino. Yeah. And I, I, I walked across uh, the Bellagio because I at that point I knew I was going to throw down some money on them as a, you know, diehard fan and whatnot. And uh, walked across the Bellagio casually, um, caught a fountain show out there and then walked in and, uh, and then, saw that they had a, they had already adjusted theirs to 150 to one. So then I'm like racing back. I'm like, I got to catch this. Cause this is, I mean, I think the blues had won a handful of games at that point. And I'm like, we all do. They had a good team preseason. So I thought, let's just, let's just throw a bet down and see what happens. And then I swear ever since then, it just, they started cruising along and, and you know, the winning streak happened. And I'm like, this thing is, it, the ticket is funny. It went from my, you know, my sock drawer, my safe at home to now a safe deposit box. So it's had a little journey itself because I think that has gotten value on the way with offers coming in and whatnot to buy it outright. Right. So now I, I'm starting to sense now, I, I'm looking at it differently now that I hear you speak about this. Now you uh, have had opportunities to hedge along the way, but I'm starting to think after hearing you talk and saying that they, they were winning after you got the ticket, you're seeing this as you're their good luck charm, right? And if you do hedge, like I said, you've had uh, multiple opportunities. That, that will screw up all the mojo, right? You know, th- that's a big part of it, too. And, um, again, I'm I uh, I'm not a big gambler by any means. And something just feels right about it. And I, and I have, to be honest with you, I've woken up after a couple losses, even in the Sharks series, I was in the Dallas series as well. I'm like, should I just start hedging now a little bit whatnot? And something comes over me every time I think about it, and I'm like, no, like, let this thing ride. They're, they're the right team to do it. And I feel like there's just some, something about it about this team, they're resilient and they fight back. And I don't want to break any bad jujus or add any bad juju to the whole scenario. So right. tomorrow night is going to be a first for me. I've never watched a game to where uh, I was actually just joking around with the colleague again about it. never watched a game before where it's either a hundred thousand dollars or, or you're stomaching nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think there'll probably be a, a couple of news stations there to catch me doing all this, you know, my reactions, all that. And hopefully it's a celebration at the end, but either way, I'm, I'm excited and nervous. All once kind of hard to put into words. Right. Well, for sure. And like, like I said, you could have put $60,000 on the Bruins at the beginning of the series. And that way you would have won at least 40,000. However, it turned out you could have sat back and rooted for your team and not had to worry about any of the financials. 
and the prop swap people, the people who are fielding these off offers, they're they're scratching their head here. They're they're acting as if they were your physician who really was trying to explain to you like, well, you have high cholesterol and you're basically eating shrimp tempura <laughs> while taking the physical, right? You don't you don't want to hear from it though. There, there's no number that you will sell this for. Is that correct? You know, I, I was entertaining offers with them, you know, early on and all that. But again, I just something about it just felt right. Just decline, decline. Actually, I got a during it was game six of the shark series. Um, the round before this one, obviously, I got a text in from them. They said, hey, forty thousand dollars. It was after the first intermission or during the first intermission. They said, you got to accept by this buyer by the start of the second period. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like a. No, <laughs> I, I thought about it, but I'm like, it's just something feels right. And of course they went on to win that game to get us in the finals. And, uh, you know, a lot of St. Louisans are got my back though. It, it, people, I've been called an idiot a bunch, you know, this guy's an idiot. Why isn't he hedge? And, uh, you know, obviously I, I get where they're coming from, but sometimes when you, you bet with your heart and not in your mind, uh, you get yourself in the situation. So I've, uh, I've held tight on not hedging and I'm, you know, I'm here to, to live live or die with them. So put it that way. And you are not a rich man by by uh, any standards, right? You said I've no. Yeah, someone asked me the other day. I said, what, "Is it life changing money or whatnot?" I said, "It's it's kind of in between, right? I mean, I I'm not dying or desperate for money, um, but I could use it. Trust me, I would love that kind of that money, and I'm I have no means wealthy, so kind of in between there. And uh, it's funny, my I keep asking my mom. I go to my mom for advice all the time, and she goes, "You know what, Scott? I think you should let it ride. You know." Uh, you let her ride, and she's so funny. She's I'm, I'm uh, recently single again, so she's like, just get some publicity out of it. Maybe you'll find a good wife out of this whole deal because you get your face on television. <laughs> you might, you're right. You might have created the most expensive um, dating uh, service that you, you couldn't even imagine in, in the first place. So, that, so if someone gave, offered you $101,000, you would not take it. If someone offered me $101,000? Uh, man, I mean that's that's a uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that, well, I, worry, haven't, no I haven't asked that yet. I was just just hypothetically, <laughs> really. I was just one. So yeah. there's that. We're we're not crazy. Like if there, there's not no number that you wouldn't accept, but but it's but it but you don't want to screw up the uh, the whole the whole mojo, like you said, of the Blues winning the cup. I don't. I don't. And I know you know there's people out there that that say this guy is crazy. And but keep in mind. I'm the quote unquote crazy guy that bet on one of the worst teams in the league in January with a $4 bet. Right. So, uh -huh. um, the bet, that was to let it ride. And, um, you know, obviously I'd be lying if I said, I haven't thought about it here and there after, especially after losses and whatnot, but I'm holding strong and, uh, should make for an exciting game seven tomorrow night. There you go. Well, you know what? I'm rooting for Harry. Who's on this podcast. My friend, Harry was stands to make $347 if the blues win. I'm rooting for my pal, John Ham, who I think you guys know is a diehard, Oh yeah, every Blues home game. But you know what? I'm mostly rooting for you, Scott Barry. Childhood fan, put a few bucks on his team, and is so goddamn superstitious. No matter no <laughs> amount of money is going to make sense to him. I uh, I admire your bet. I admire the size of your testicles right now. Good luck. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> would you be, Would you willing to make a side bet with me on this? Yeah, Let's sure. What kind of side bet? All right. So my mom put me up to this. She said, "You're talking to Sal." She's like, "That's your Jimmy Kimmel's cousin." Right. If, if things go your way, you should ask him to maybe go uh, do a plug with him. You and I go on your cousin's show, and then we'll get a plug for The Bachelor. We can get on The Bachelor from this. Oh, I see. <laughs> we'll oh, you want to be on The Bachelor? Well, what does she want to do? She wants to be The Bachelorette? Or she, how does she want to work? 
she no, she doesn't want to be on. She wants grandchildren. And I'm like, well, mom, I'm not married yet, you know. <laughs> I can't get oh, those By the way, I, I don't have a ton of pull anymore, but yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull some I, strings. I'm gonna see if we can get you I'm on the totally, I'm totally kidding with you, but um, you know, it's all in good fun. And I hopefully well, no, now you open a can of worms. Now I have to get you on the freaking bachelor. I'm gonna do this. This is the last thing I do. <laughs> Hey, if you do, you're the man. I owe you. I'll give you some of that 100K. <laughs> All right, there you go. I don't need any of it, but thank you. Scott, you're the man. Thank you for calling in, and uh, I'm rooting for the Blues. We all are. Game seven. Pull it off, buddy. Bring go it Blues. All right. Thanks again, Sal crew. Appreciate it. All right, there you go, Harry. Scott, a true degenerate, whether whether he knows it or not. Would you hedge here? Uh, you know me, pro- I probably would, but, but knowing how much I've been on the blues and think they're going to get this done, I give them kudos for not doing it. Harry, you would take Boston. You would head with Boston minus goal and a half, and then they win by one in overtime, right? That's exactly how it, that's sure, how it Of course, you know, that, 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 that always happens <laughs> yeah. to be that outcome. Like Paul that, a. kid, is this guy crazy? Nice guy. He's crazy. So, I mean, I hedged on a, uh. Uh, $900 bet the other day. So um, right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, uh, That's right. I like, like to play close to the vest a little bit, Sal. So. Yeah. Brother Bry, you would, uh, what, what, what about uh, rooting? You know, he feels like he's going to, you know, it's going to be bad luck if he takes even a dollar. Uh, I mean, I totally understand what he's doing. Um, I am a little bit different than the other guys. I typically don't hedge. Right. Um, again, I think it would have, you know, for me, it would have to be a lot of money, which this is a lot of money. Um, except again, the initial bet's only $400. If he was going to hedge, he should have hedged after game five. At this point in time, I would not hedge. I mean, I think it's been great for him. He's gotten a lot of good publicity out of it. At this point, I think once he made a decision that he wasn't hedging, now he can't hedge. And I Mm -hmm. kind of agree with him. I don't think I would have hedged either. All right. Tate, he wants to be the bachelor. He told me, he says, uh, he and his mother have a plan for me to look into it and see if he can become the bachelor. I'll tell you what, if he has $100,000 in his pocket, he's all of a sudden uh, more marketable, right? I will say, he did mention to me yesterday when I was talking to set up the interview, he said, uh, you know, he texted me and asked if that was a potential thing. And I said, just bring it up on the podcast. So I'm happy that that he agreed to do that. Because, uh, again, I did not want to send you the screenshot of the text asking for him to be on The Bachelor. So thank you, Scott. See, that's masterful producing, by Master Tate. Nice job. <laughs> nice job. All right. Well, I'm rooting for Scott Barry. I'm rooting for Harry. I'm rooting for uh, John Hamm here. I'm sorry, Boston guys. I, I just can't take it. I can't take it anymore. Talk about cocky. Simmons, Hench, <laughs> all these guys. Uh, um, anyway, Captain Morgan. That brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the Degenerate Trifecta and I set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. Justin Bieber's back. I think he's turning heel again. I don't know. It's uh, maybe a bad mixture of whatever he's ingesting. Yeah, came out with a tweet, says, I want to challenge Tom Cruise to fight in the octagon. Tom, if you don't take the fight, you're scared and you will never live it down. Who is willing to put up the put on the fight? And then he adds Dana White. Um, we came up with odds. Actually, there are odds on this fight. That's probably never going to happen. Justin Bieber versus Tom Cruise. Um, the winner, Bieber minus 200. Cruise plus 150. We added America is the winner at four to one, or who gives a crap at fifteen to one? Um, Parlay Kid, start us off. Who wins this fight? Why am I intrigued by this, Sal? I shouldn't be intrigued by it, right? right. Well, this weekend I won uh, 
a nice parlay. I had uh, three UFC fighters on it with uh, Sterling, Ferguson, and Suhedo. And what do they all have in common, Saad? You know, what are they uh, all? What's their one style that they have right there? Canadian. They're style. wrestlers. I don't know. They're, <laughs> they're wrestlers, right? All right. Okay. Tom yeah. Cruise was a wrestler in high school. He showed mm-hmm. some of these skills off playing Ron Kovac, right? The uh, Massapequa wrestler and uh, yeah, born, born on the Fourth of July. July. The, uh, the, the uh, war hero right there. Cruz was actually had a scene where he's wrestling. The guy knows what he's doing. He still do, does his own stunts, too. So Cruz is 56. Bieber's 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the, does the age difference really matter here, Sal? If a 20-year-old stepped up to you that was actually smaller than you, uh, would you be afraid? I mean, you would probably pound that right. well, do we know that he's small? How is he smaller? But in what, uh, I don't know if he's well, taller. I think or he's I more. He I think he's more. I think he's a stronger person mm-hmm. than Justin Bieber. Uh, I just think he is. I mean, we've seen Cruz with his shirt off. He looks pretty good. I've sure. seen Bieber too. He's a little bit. He's pretty well put together, but he's a little bit more scrawny, I mm-hmm. believe. So, so plus one fifty. I think Cruz pummels Bieber. I, I, this would be like. The way I talked about with Mayweather and McGregor and putting, like, the house on, on Mayweather, I would put the house on Tom Cruise here. And wow. so you know this as well as I do. He's a little bit of a maniac. You know it better than I do. Cruise is a little bit of a maniac, Sal. You've <laughs> hung with Cruise. You know what kind of guy he is. He's got a little bit of a screw loose, Sal. He right. does. He would demolish Bieber in a heart. He's, he would kill. Plus 150. How is he? How is he the underdog here? He might kill him. He might kill him. He's fired up right now. Brother Bry, who wins this? I want to see this. <laughs> um, I'm going to say America wins on this one. You can see how, how fired up Jared is on this. I think that yeah. a lot of people would be intrigued by this. Although I have no idea why this even happened. We have, right? Do we even know why Bieber called him out? I, I mean, I would love to know. No, I don't know. That's uh, why I think I, he was probably drunk, and, uh, and that was that, right? Although we can't really I know, talk about I think it has great publicity. No, he wasn't drunk. He Any was, publicity is good publicity. I right. don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a weird thing because it, it wasn't Bieber being like real religious for a little bit of time, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But I do love when celebrities call each other out. I think this has to happen more. Um, but I will say, yeah, both guys pretty decent athletes, actually. So I think this would be uh, a fun thing. But remember at one point in time on Fox, they used to have that celebrity boxing show. So yeah. I think it would be great if they actually redid something like that with actual celebrities. Uh, the last time they had that show would have been like having Harry fight in the ring. Um, but like, I don't know why a promoter wouldn't jump all over this because you would pay, right? I mean, I would pay 50 bucks to see these guys fight. Um, you know, maybe it goes to a charity. I mean, they could make, I don't know. I feel like they could make tens of millions of dollars off of this fight or any type of fight or any type of celebrity could make money doing this. Uh, it's kind of be uh, a cool idea to have these celebrities fight. For sure. Harry, what do you think? Bieber, Cruz, America, or, or who gives a crap? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with who gives a crap at 15 oh. one. Uh, by the way, Parlay Kid, just letting you know, talking about Tom Cruise being a wrestler, did, was born and raised in Syracuse, New York. Just letting you know, Parlay Kid. Tom, Tom Cruise was? Yep. No, you got that wrong. Is that wrong. true? <laughs> Looking at Wikipedia right now, I was pretty sure he was born in Syracuse. There it is. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't want to be wrong two weeks in a row. I was wrong about um, Clay Aiken's song "Invisible" and "Invincible," but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Why? Why don't anyway. you give a crap then? 
Uh, you know, this is extremely odd, obviously, and it's almost a lose-lose situation for Cruz. If he lost to the Beebs, he would never get another action movie offer again. And if he won, it's like he's beating up a kid. Um, Tom can't win either way. It's almost like uh, Britney Spears. If Britney Spears called out 56-year-old Demi Moore and wanted uh, to fight Britney uh, and to fight Demi, it would be something else. And no, no one else would want to see that. Um, oh, wait, actually... Now that I think about it, everyone would want to see that, right? Oops, I did it again. Oh, my God, Harry. What is this? <laughs> what the hell's going on here? All Actually, right. we would uh, want to see that, right? Yes, uh, Date, Parlay Date, Kid. Yep. I'm with you, Harry. As Parlay Kid points out, I, I have met Tom Cruise. I met Bieber in passing. I wasn't too impressed. He was kind of like a snotty punk. It was probably about 10 years ago or maybe a little less, but... Um, Cruz, very nice guy. I I can't tell if it's an actor or not because he's a great actor, but very nice. One of those, he'll look you in the eye, and if he meets you once, he remembers your name the second time. Um, all the stuff you said, Parlay Kid, he does his own stunts. He's in incredible shape. You hear stories on these movie sets. He's up at 4.30 in the morning on the treadmill and running and doing all crazy things. Um, but it, it bothers me that he's such a nice guy. I don't know that he has... I don't know if he has the killer instinct, whereas Bieber is such a, an angry young uh, jerk at times. I almost think the minus 200 is the way to go, but I agree with Brother Bry. Ultimately, America wins. I would pay for this. Harry, you would watch this too. Tate, you're watching it as well, right? Yeah, of course I would. And I will say uh, I have a friend of mine that's a trainer at a, a boxing gym out here at the Dog Pound, and she works out Justin Bieber, who is – that's why I think he probably tweeted it out because – he is currently boxing all the time right now. So he's in full fit form. So if it was a year removed and Tom Cruise could have a year to get in shape, to get ready to box him, I'd take Tom Cruise all day. He was a bus boy back in the day. You know, has a little bit of grit to him, as Harry said, from Syracuse, New York. We don't know if that's true, but he so- was, he is. sounds yeah. good. Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, so that I would take Cruise if he had a year to prep for it. But right now, I think I might have to take Bieber just because he is training on his own time. All right. Harry has defended the scum of the scum as long as they've actually ever set foot in Syracuse. And here's a guy, one of the most popular actors and people in the world. And uh, Harry refuses to back uh, Tom Cruise. So sad. So sad, Harry. I just said he wouldn't need a lose-lose situation. That's all. I don't know what's going on. All right. That's another week. Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. Let's switch it to Sharp Tank. These guys are going to give me their best bets. I'm going to buy one of them. I don't think, what, Brother Bride, did I go with you last week? Why, why can't I remember week to week? No, you went with, I think you went with Darren with the horse. Oh, right, right, right. I went with the horse. Never that's fast. Right. That's Whatever. Right. <laughs> that's right. The horse that's yet yeah, changed his name since. But all right, Brother Bride, let's start with you. You had a winner. You had Nadal minus two and a half sets over Federer, right? Yeah, so I had Nadal minus two and a half against Federer. I did say, I. Kind of by accident, I think, but I did say he would win six three six four six two, and that's the exact score yes. he won by. So it was a little that was a little crazy, but uh, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna continue this run right now. Um, I'm gonna go DJ or Dustin Johnson minus one ten over Rory uh, in the tournament matchup at the U.S. Open. Look, I get it that Rory's played out of his mind last week at the Canadian Open. He's been great in nineteen, but why is he slightly favored against DJ here? I think. Normally, DJ should be like minus 130, minus 140 here. I really don't get it. Um, DJ's finished in the top two at the Masters and the PGA Championship. He had seven top ten finishes in 12 events this year. He finished in the top five four of the last five U.S. Opens. 
He's been tremendous at Pebble Beach his whole career. He won a few times, came second a few times. Rory, on the other hand, has, hasn't made the cut there in his two appearances. Uh, he's missed the cut his last three U.S. Opens. So that, for me, is enough uh, to back DJ here. Um, I, I really don't get the odds. I mean, I know they're both pretty much even for favorites here, but I think in this matchup, DJ should definitely be the favorite. So I am taking him uh, minus 110 all day. Hmm. All right, I kind of like, like that. I like that. And without having talked to Joe House yet, I think he likes that too. I'm pretty sure just from past conversations, he's uh, anti-Rory this weekend. All right, Harry, you have a golf uh, prop as well. Yeah, I'm going to take Jason Day at plus 175 as my best bet to be the top Australian. Look, there's eight total Australians in the field. Uh, Day has five top tens this season. And his best finish was being tied for fourth at Pebble Beach at the Pro-Am this year, the 16th-ranked golfer in the world. Loves it in Monterey. Uh, like I said, finished fourth there this year, second in 2018, fifth in 17, 11th in 16, and another fourth-place finish in 2015. The guys that he's got to look out for here, Adam Scott is his toughest probably opponent in this category, and he's failed to make the cut the last two seasons here at, at, when they played the Pro-Am. Mark Leishman never played there either. Uh, Adam Badale, Aaron Badalay, in his last four years, has failed to crack the top 50 playing the Pro-Am. So give me day to get it done and be the best Australian at the U.S. Open at plus 175. All right. You know, I don't like this top Australian, top eight. It has a racist tone to me, Harry. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I see people as one. That's all. I don't want to separate I avoided my top groups. Asian pick. Which I do have on, uh, which I will have on fairway rolling, by the way. Nice plug, Harry. I'm going to be on fairway rolling. All right, Parlay Kid, what do you got? So I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I've already kind of discussed this already. So with uh, some of my picks. So uh, let's be, let's take a two team uh, parlay here with the Warriors uh, to win in game six at minus 145 on the money line, which we talked about earlier. And, Let's uh, take the Bruins at minus 175, although you could substitute that with Rask if you wanted to. Uh, but take the Bruins. I think the Bruins are just a better hockey team. So we've been saying that. We've been saying that. We know sometimes in hockey in these games, or any game, you get a hot goalie. Uh, I think this crowd is going to be going berserk. Boston uh, wills its way to victory here. They're the better team. Uh, I think they win this. Uh, and like Brian said, I could see this being like a 3-1 game, but, you know, Kind of winning that, so probably uh, put the, put those two together, and you're going to get about uh, about one plus one sixty odds. So Warriors game six, Bruins game seven, both on the money line at about one sixty. So plus one sixty. All right, I'm back in your parlay, kid. I like both those. I like the Warriors back against the wall at home. Steve Kerr is not going to let them lose. I know, um, you know, it seemed like they needed to get all that shooting. All those threes to win, but they kind of got rooked down the stretch there. I, I don't. I don't think the refs are going to let uh, like Van Vliet, guy like that, run around and just foul Curry the whole game. They're going to get a little help down the stretch. I think Boogie Cousins, even though he can't jump, is you know he's kind of woken up a little bit. He's going to be a factor down low. He's like six of eight shooting, uh, really seven of eight if we want to use that other uh, basket that didn't count. Um, and uh, the Bruins, uh, I, I, I just think you know. It's going to be Boston slapping us in the face again, and Bennington got cold at the wrong time. I like that parlay, plus 160. I'm back in the parlay kit again. We will talk to you guys next week. And after this, Joe House 
with U.S. Open picks. Stick around. Hey, finding a new job is a lot of work. What if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job? Well, now ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app, let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in, and its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you'll like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone just like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can apply. My listeners should download the free free ZipRecruiter job search app today and let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. All right, it's time. He's back. My favorite regular guest on Bill Simmons podcast. And that includes myself, by the way. I have no problem saying that. The authority of every course whether it's on the links or a main course, he's the greatest gluttonous golf guru the sport has to offer from House of Carbs and Fairway Rolling. Joe House, what's happening, buddy? Yo, cuz, what's happening? So look, uh, I know that you're you're being uh, 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 flattering with putting me at the top of the Bill Simmons guest list, but the, the people have spoken. You're 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 the unanimous number one. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think I ever was, but I think I've dropped off anyway. I think there's just too many. There's too many, right? We can't compete, but that's fine. That's not what it's about. We we, we do a great job on our own, right? <laughs> we do a great job on our own. You're right, Cuz. Uh, I feel bad, House, because we have the Warriors. We bet the Warriors, and I felt like we were getting smarter. We saw that uh, before we get into all the golf, obviously, U.S. Open. Um, I felt like we were getting smarter. We had the we had the wrong team. We had the inferior team, and we were hedging. And Simmons and I had seventeen and one on Tor- at Toronto and five, and we didn't hedge that. And the lines moved all over the place, and we got screwed with the Toronto minus one plus one thing. How does this keep happening? Um, we're we're dumb. We're not smart. We are not smart oh, yeah, uh, yeah. gamblers. We're not smart men. I sat I sat tight. I saw the the line jump across. I hit you early in the day uh, as the Durant news emerged. Uh, I thought it was it was likely he was going to play. Um, and, and Toronto was still a very slight favorite. Uh, and then the public jumped in and it flipped from from minus one over to, to, to plus one. And we could have mm-hmm. easily taken Toronto getting that point. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? I'm already in for a big enough chunk here to cover everything. What's the real mm-hmm. likelihood that Toronto is going to lose by only one? And of course, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I laughed about it on Lock It In. I was like, oh, all the big uh, to do about minus one, plus one. Who cares? I'm, I'm betting Curry to score 40 points. It's not going to be close or one way or the other. And sure enough, it landed right on the one house. I counted them up. You and I, we, we figure out which uh, futures bets we have. Now, this could be um, Giannis to win MVP. Or it could be, um, you know, like uh, what do I, Orlando and seven in the first round or something. That that's that's where they vary these NBA future bets with us. If I put the over under at twenty four and a half futures bets that you and I discussed, what what would you say? Not even discussed that you actually placed. What would you say? Would you say you bet over or under that? I I feel pretty confident it's an over. Yeah, twenty eight. 28 is good. And that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't count. 
betting the individual games and and player props on on a given day. You know? Well, the thing is that the, the things change over the course of a season. So you have a little uh, exposure on on the one hand, you want to cover off something on the other hand. I mean, I felt pretty good about uh, the Warriors all season long. Uh, you know, to to win the title, and you know. Here we are on the brink of it. We have the the wrong side of that one. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I faded Toronto all the way up until last night, pretty much. Yeah. That was a mistake. What about Thursday? Give me a quick pick. And I know you've discussed this before we get to the golf. Who, who wins game six? I'm betting Toronto again. I love the, the, the money line. I'm going to play them on the money line. And I'm going to play them getting the points. Um, I think they're the better team, even last night. Golden State only won one quarter. The the they they yeah. tied the other two quarters. The second quarter and the third quarter were ties, and Toronto won the fourth quarter. And Toronto should have won the game for some reason. Their coach thought that giving Golden State a four minute timeout breather when they were down six, clutching you know for for their very <laughs> existence, this 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 dude Nick Nurse uh, snatched a glorious defeat from the jaws of victory. Wow. And, and you hate let, let that. I, everyone's blaming Nurse. I think that was fine. It went one for six down the stretch. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, down the stretch <laughs> after the timeout. Well, why <laughs> let Golden? Why let Steve Kerr and the two best shooters on the planet catch their breath, reset, and they ran three sets. Two for they ran four sets. Two for Steph and two two for Clay, and they went three out of four. Nine points out of those sets. I mean, what what are we doing? Is it the point to win I the game? I thought they played all right defense. There was hands in the faces there for those shots. And who knows? Maybe those guys were tired and they didn't want to waste the timeout. I think they lose the timeout, right? If they don't use it, uh, I, I, so I, don't, what? I don't blame Nurse. All right. So what? But Toronto, you like Toronto? Yeah, I do feel though. I agree with you. When you bet the Warriors in these games, and there's five minutes left in the third quarter, and it's eight, and it's ten, and it's seven, and it's nine, you're just like. Oh, there's too much time left in this game. They can't hold this lead. Not not with the way they play. They can't keep this uh, 20 to 8 ratio for three-pointers made. And I do feel like at least watching two and a half, three hours of the game, you'll feel better betting Toronto in game six. So I, I, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll feel good uh, and lose again. <laughs> I know you say a lot of things change, except that we keep losing. That's, that's the only that's, thing that's, that's that the stays constant. constant with the NBA. Well, yeah. listen, golf is a different story, and there's lots of storylines here for the U.S. Open. Uh, Tiger won here. Uh, Kepka going for his third. Cantlay is insane. Rory coming off a ridiculous performance last week, and Dustin Johnson comes in second place every major. It, it's so much going on here. What What's the big storyline to you? If you had to pinpoint one of those things, what stands out the most? Uh Boy, it, it, it's 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 tough to just pick one. I, the sentimental part of me chooses the Phil Mickelson story out of all the stories because oh, yeah, this I didn't even feels like yeah. his last best opportunity to win a U.S. Open, and he turned 49 on on Sunday. That's working against him. The next uh, set of U.S. Opens, Wingfoot is next year. The site of his, uh, uh, you know career collapse the 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 one uh venue where the u.s open was with firmly within his clutches and he he his own self you know blasted it left uh uh right out of right right out right into oblivion um 
I, mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, Phil has this romantic relationship with, with Pebble Beach. He has enormous success here. He just won in February. The people of California love him. He's been a great uh, putter on, on, on this particular surface, this Poa An- Anua. I, I always get it wrong. Poa, Ani- yeah. Poa Anua, whatever. Um, so to me, <laughs> Phil's last gasp, like this Father's Day turning 49, his last chance at a, a U.S. Open, that confluence of factors makes it, to me, the most interesting story. Interesting. And he's like 15th, 16th down on the list at 40 to 1. Let me read a couple of these odds. At the top, Kepka 9 to 1, DJ 9 to 1, also Rory 9 to 1, Tiger 10 to 1, which some people say is actually fair for the first time. It's a 10 to 1. He's not being overvalued. Jordan Spieth 16 to 1, Cantley, uh, like I said, 16 to 1. And then you got Fowler, Rose, uh, Xander, all those guys are about 25, 28 to 1. Um, Tell us about this course. Speaking of Patrick Cantlay, he showed, he put out a video. He showed how thick the rough is, not even five yards from the pin. It's crazy how quick it, it, you could lose your ball. It's a great point. It is. He, I think it was like seven paces from, from the pin mm-hmm. on the ninth hole where he shot this video where he imagines one of the pins to be. And, you know, uh, Pebble Beach, a few uh, uh, aspects of it, it is – the shortest uh, 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 course on tour by yardage. It only was going to play a little mm-hmm. over 7,000 yards, which means that it it diminishes the advantage that the Bombers have. Uh, guys like like DJ and Kepka, where their pronounced advantage off the tee at a place like Bethpage um, was on full display barely a month ago. That's not going to be the case here. There's a premium on driving accuracy at this venue, but even more importantly, Pebble Beach features the smallest greens on tour. They have it is by by design the smallest set of eighteen greens uh, uh, mm. on any course that they play on the PGA Tour, and so accuracy is uh, the 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 key attribute. A real premium on accuracy from the fairway. Fairway. This is a a second shot golf course where your approach has to be close, and because of the way that the USGA, um, you know, sort of uh, sets up the course and lets the modifies the course for the kind of competition that they're after, which is to say, rough around the greens, r- rough that that cuts into the fairways. The fairways are all much smaller than what we're all accustomed to seeing um, in February. Plus, the fact that the golf course is being uh, uh, played in June. When, you know, mm-hmm. conditions wise, it's dry, it's uh, going to play fast, it's going to play firm. There, there is uh, nearly 16 hours of sunlight. Sun, su- sunrise comes up, you know, 545 in the morning and it's sets at <laughs> 830 in the evening. So all of these factors um, change, you know, it's, it's an organic thing, this golf course. It's a living, breathing thing over the course of the tournament, over the course of the days. It, it, it changes, and you have the breezes coming in from off the water, which also have an effect on, on how it's going to play. And the combination of the U.S. Open pressure, the anxiety that comes with that, and the nerves that come, come with that, plus, you know, the variability of, of the, uh, the, the breezes, the, the winds, um, you know, it, it, it presents an enormous challenge, and accuracy, accuracy, accuracy is the order of the day. 
I love it. Yeah, you went you went Cliff Clavin on us there. I mean, that is a lot of information. God bless you. How do you how do you keep it all up? I can't I can't discuss anything like that. I couldn't. couldn't I've been talking about this for two two podcasts, six hours, because it's coming out of my pores now. I I smell like all right. Well, listen, let's get to it. Give us. uh, I forget how we do this. Do you give us the long shot first, medium range, or do you go uh, you go favorite? Well. I'm going to uh, abandon our typical approach. We usually try to okay. do like a like a favorite, a mid, and a, and a long shot. I'm gonna um, mm-hmm. just take that whole thing and wad it up and throw it into a Pebble Beach garbage can because I think for this tournament, under these circumstances, with the level of play, there are maybe like ten to twelve guys total with a real chance at winning. And, uh, you know, it, it, it does span a few different sort of odds ranges, but my list of guys with a legit chance to win, it's Tiger, it's Brooks Kepka, it's DJ, it's Patrick Cantlay, it's, uh, Jordan Spieth, it's Jason Day. And then I have a few wild cards, guys like, uh, uh, Matt Kuchar and Justin Thomas and Adam Scott and maybe Paul Casey. Two names not on my hmm. list. No Justin Rose and no Rory McIlroy. The Rory one is easier to sort of dispense with first. Um, he has missed three straight cuts in the U.S. Open. He has absolutely no track record whatsoever at Pebble Beach. The two times that he's played it, once in 2010 when he was a kid, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. He played it again a couple years ago. He missed the cut uh, at the Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am. He missed it on the third day rather than the second day. But um, no track record to speak of at, at Pebble Beach. Also, in the history of, of competitive professional golf, no one has won the week before the U.S. Open and then gone on to win the U.S. Open. Wow. Um, Rory, Rory just won the, uh, the, the Open Championship that he's going to win in North America this year. That was in Canada. Uh, <laughs> I actually... Country, yeah. He's he, he is having statistically his very best season, and I think he's going to break his streak of missed cuts here at Pebble Beach. I think he's going to actually make the cut. But I absolutely adore this this uh, matchup opportunity that is out out there. And this is the thing that I'm going to start with. You can get plus odds on uh, uh, tournament matchups right now if you are willing to uh, uh, you know invest in guys like. Brooks Kepka and Tiger Woods going up against Rory McIlroy. You can get plus odds on those guys in a head-to-head, and and it's just a little bit above even, but plus odds for for guys who have enormous success at Pebble Beach to point to against the guy that's yeah. missed three straight U.S. Open cuts. Those are those are winners. Like I I I can't rush uh, to the to the betting window uh, with enough of with a big enough briefcase. Or with enough of, of my family's future at stake uh, to to bet against Rory McIlroy in these matchups when I get Tiger Woods and and Brooks Kepka plus wow. odds. I love it. Brother Bry was just on. He liked uh, the same matchup, but he actually liked Dustin Johnson over Rory, and uh, it was either minus ten or plus one ten. He said normally that would be minus one fifty, minus one sixty. So yeah, you're right. Rory is the one who's overvalued here. In fact. You know, it's funny. I said like Tiger finally has a good number on him, ten or eleven to one. But it's isn't it in relation to the rest of the field? I don't remember four golfers this hot in the field uh, outside of Tiger. You got Rory, DJ, Kepka, and um, Cantlay. 
They're all to make the top 20 around minus 370, which is crazy high. And also like minus 700 to make the cut, which is crazy high. You got to think one of those is going to fail in, in uh, either of those categories, right? I think so. And, you know, the, the leading contender there is Rory. I'm looking right now. You can get Tiger Woods at plus 140 against Rory McIlroy in this tournament matchup. Like the, the recency mm -hmm. bias here is, is, is insane. Rory McIlroy yeah. hasn't really been uh, competitive in a major. Now, he was in the final group against uh, 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 Patrick Reed last year at the Masters, but his his major performance track record since he won in 2014, not that great. Not a great track mm -hmm. record in the majors. Uh, so, I mean, that that the, the plus 140 for Tiger and at this moment, at this venue, under these circumstances, it just feels like great value. I love it. That's your best, huh? All right. I like well, that. I, um, yeah, you, I, I, you mentioned Cantlay, uh, third in the PGA, first at the Memorial, lurking, kind of underrated a little. I think maybe because he didn't play last week. But if, if a guy, if it's possible for a guy who really just doesn't bogey at all to be underrated, I think out of that top four or five, I think he's the one. Don't, do you agree? Terrific. Terrific call. He is going to get, I am allocating some capital on Patrick Cantlay at 16 to one. He's getting a full unit out of my wallet over his past 50 rounds. Cause fourth in, in strokes, gain ball striking fifth in strokes, gain mm. T to green fifth in strokes, gain approach. Those are all metrics that indicate accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. The thing that you need out here at Pebble beach, he's second in proximity from 150 to 175 yards. He's fourth in proximity. 175 to 200 yards. Those are distances that matter at Pebble. He leads the tour right now in bogey avoidance. Patrick Cantlay at 16 to one. That is a juicy bet, cousin Sal. Oh, nice. All right, I saw it. Foot. You know, 16 is 16 is better than 14, right? Yeah, I'm on 16. But yeah, I, all right. Let's take it at 16. That's great. All right, I'm with you on that. I also you mentioned Matt Kuchar. At uh, you can get him anywhere from 40 to 50 to one. 16 events this year, 15 cuts made, eight top tens, two wins. House, he's around, he's there every week. He's in top eight in three of his last four tournaments. Is this a guy who's just never going to win a major, or um, is it worth taking a, a stab at? I like him at, 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 at as a top 10. I'm going to play Matt Kuchar. He, he's, he's been on fire all season long. You mentioned it. He's second right now in, in bogey avoidance. That's right behind Patrick Cantlay. He's eighth in mm -hmm. scrambling. He's ninth in strokes gained approach. And he has something in his memory banks to draw upon. In 2010, on Sunday of the, the U.S. Open, while Dustin Johnson was out shooting 82 and uh, turbo jetting mm -hmm. his chances at winning that event straight to, to, to Mars, Matt Kuchar went out and shot a 68. There were only five rounds under par that day. Kuchar 68 was uh, tied for the best round of the day. That's something that I think a guy like him, you know, who's who's played for as long as he has, he can he can draw from the memory banks that positive experience, that positive uh, uh, outcome. Let's look up Matt Kuchar real mm. quick at, at at top ten because this is this is one I think that that a uh, little bit of value on on, on the Kuchar here. He is available right like now that. at plus 400, four to one. Matt Kuchar, the top 10 at Pebble. I like it. Wow. And eight top tens, like I mentioned this year already. Um, all right. The only other ones, you know, I'm, I'm anti-Tiger for the most part, but 
And and you know what? Uh, you may have talked me out of this with your description of the course, the little just with just with the like we discussed, the rough is everywhere. These are smaller greens, but Tiger to have a bogey free round, the first round is twenty five to one. Bogey free any round is ten to one. I, I kind of like bogey free any round at ten to one better than even his odds to win. Or am I crazy? I like no, I don't think you're crazy. I like that too. He knows what it takes. That the only thing that would keep him from uh you know completing uh, a single bogey free round is is his putter and he uh is there's a handful of guys on tour with a demonstrated proficiency on this surface the poa anua and you know his his track record on poa is nearly unparalleled he has uh his tory pines us open victory he has his uh pebble beach uh us open victory and it's just he only needs one day out of four because we know Tiger's making the cut for that putter to mm -hmm. feel right and to get all the breaks and all the speeds right. It is also anticipated that there is going to be some scoring opportunities this week because the weather is going to be cool and and be with, with the, the, the cool weather means that the wind is not really going to get whipping up. And that means hmm. that that a uh, couple of scoring opportunities out there that I think are kind of synergistic with the idea that a guy like Tiger could go out and have a bogey free round there. The, 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 the total winning score prop right now is 276 and a half. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's playing at a par 71. So that's 284 is even par and eight under is uh, 276. So if you like uh, under 276 and a half, you can have that at minus 120 right now. Wow. I kind of like All it. All right. There so that's some, basically, so they're counting on the score. top golfer this weekend to go my, no, no better than minus two each round. That's exactly right. Well, Average. no, no, not, wow. not, not better than not, that. That's the winning score total. Right. And the yeah, line is two seventy six yeah. and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. So minus eight is going to win this thing. According to Vegas. Am I right? Well, that, that that's that's the line. That's where they've drawn the line of demarcation. I right. think minus eight is going to win this thing. But if if you if you you know uh, like the the glass to be half empty, go ahead and play pick a, a seven under score. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Wow, that's a lot. He's done it again. House. Is there any any other props jump out at you or any golfers? I just feel like uh, the the U.S. has been dominant in the majors. Eight of the last nine majors have been won by a, a U.S. citizen. I feel like this mm -hmm. venue under these circumstances at this moment with how competitive the tour is, you can get the nationality of the winner to be a U.S. citizen at minus 145. That covers mm -hmm. a lot of guys because you get a lot of guys at that minus 145. You get DJ, you get Brooks, you get Tiger, you get Patrick Cantlay. Uh, you, 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 you get a, a bunch of second-tier guys. You get uh, Snedeker. You get uh, who else here? It's Jordan Spieth. I mean, there's a bunch Spieth, of, of yeah. uh, Justin Thomas, a lot of quality guys. If you if you go ahead and bet that, I'm gonna touch put a touch on that as an umbrella bet. I just like that one a little bit. I like that too. Yeah, I mean, especially if you think Rory could be an early exit, then you're really you know you're rooting against Jason Day and just a couple others. Really, that's I like that bet. I like it a lot. Well, you've done it. You've done it again, House. You really have. Fairway rolling, House of Carbs on the Ringer Podcast Network. Again, my favorite regular guest of Bill Simmons. You're not going to get any better than that. Joe House, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, buddy. 
Cousin Sal, let's pick a winner for Thursday. Let's do it, for God's sakes. For, for once. I don't know what we're going to do. But just bet on Toronto. Do we go, do we go all lose American? More money. Do we go Golden State and USA on a parlay? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> all right, Thanks, buddy. Cause. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Always. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Hey, email us. We're lonely. Cousin Sal, against all odds at gmail.com. Watch Lock It In weekdays, 430 to 5.30 Eastern on FS1. Jimmy Kimmel Live, 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC, plus the NBA special before and after the game, depending on which time zone you're in. And that's that for the degenerate trifecta, greedy gambler Scott Ferry, Joe House, and Master Tate Frazier. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Na, 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 na,